Welcome to Grown and Sexy Sisters Talk. This is real conversation for real women about real life. I'm your host, Nisi Gale, and I am a personal transformation coach, women's empowerment specialist, and your number one fierce sister. This is episode number five in the second episode in the Get Your Mind Right series. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Dr. Tanya Featherston, who is the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Social Emotional Wellness. Dr. Tanya is an educational psychologist with a passion for improving the lives of children, adults, and families. She advocates for social and emotional wellness services in underserved populations such as women, LGBT, and communities of color. Over the past 20 years, Dr. Tanya has worked to develop educational programs and support groups that serve as safe spaces for girls, women, and educators to grow and find support. Dr. Tanya currently offers coaching and support groups for educators and other professionals who are seeking assistance with stress management and improving their overall mental health. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this second episode in the Get Your Mind Right series. Much love, be blessed, and stay going to sexy, sisters. We'll speak soon. Good evening and welcome to Grown and Sexy Sisters Talk. This is real conversation for real women about real life. And we are back at it again. And today I'm so happy to have with me Dr. Tanya Featherston. Now, Dr. Tanya is the happy doctor. <laughs> so that, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> this is a happy doctor. So we've had all these conversations about um, mental health and, and, you know, depression and anxiety and all these things. But today we want to talk about being happy. So we have Dr. Tanya on today. Dr. Tanya is the CEO and chief happiness officer <laughs> at the Center for Social Emotional Wellness in Maryland. So Dr. Tanya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I am super excited to be here. Um, and like I said, I, I love the way you put that, the happiness doctor. That's definitely it. Um, it's, 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 I strive to be for sure in my own life and to help other people have it in their lives. That's wonderful. We don't find that a lot. So I'm so excited to have you. And Dr. Tanya and I had a little conversation the other day and I was so thrilled about the things that she said. It was just mind blowing. So I wanted to get her on the line with us. And so we can ask her some questions about being happy. So are you ready to get to it, Dr. Tanya? I'm ready and excited about it. All right. Awesome. So Dr. Tanya, tell us a little bit about your practice and what inspired you to build a business that focuses on positive psychology and mental health prevention. Okay. Um, originally I was a teacher. So I was a teacher for a number of years, probably about like 18 years. Um, and then I got into school administration. Um, but my life as a teacher and I've always been, and I still consider myself a teacher, even though I'm a psychologist now, yeah. Um, because I'm an educational psychologist. So again, still doing that sort of teaching piece of it. Okay. Um, but during my years of teaching, I always loved um, the kids. I loved what I was doing. It was, I know it was what I was born to do, but it was highly stressful. Oh. Uh, and it was one of those things I can re even remember being warned like by my parents and actually my mother even forbid me to become a teacher. Wow. <laughs> okay. You know, she was like, it's one of those, you know, you're very smart. She was like, it's a thankless job. Um, it doesn't pay well. She was like, there's just not enough reward in it, but it was something I was very drawn to. Okay. Uh, and so in all the years of doing it, it was just, you know, very stressful. And sometimes, you know, people think, you move from one job to the next or one school to the next, one company to the next. 
that is going to be different, that somehow, you know, the next company is going to be less stressful right. than the one before. And so I moved around quite a bit and realized, okay, all these schools are the same. It doesn't matter from, you know, the Midwest, all the way I went to Hawaii, then I came to Maryland, okay. all the same. Didn't change, you know, not too much changed. Um, it's just a stressful job. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stress that comes with it. And so for me, it was really um, some health issues that I had around being that stressed and really not having good self-care practices um, that pushed me in this direction. And I thought, you know, there are a lot of people who do this job and do it well, and we love it, but we also deserve a good quality of life while yeah. we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so that was really what started to move me in that direction was me personally trying to figure out how can I continue to do what I love, but not be overwhelmed by this, not be stressed out by this, um, not have poor health behind this, yeah. um, both physical health and mental health. Um, and so that's really what caused me to say, okay, we have to come up with better ways to live and to be and to do the things that we love to do yeah. um, and to be healthy and enjoy uh, doing it. So I started um, a lot of the stress management practices that I was using for myself. I just started teaching it to other people. Wow. Um, and so when I would hear people, because you know, I have lots of friends that are in education, um, lots of friends that are in corporate America, in retail. And again, we're all singing the same song. We're all saying the same thing. Yeah. You know, when, with the corporate America route and you're making the six figures, even when I became an administrator and, you know, making six figures, because I thought, oh, it's the salary. Yeah. You know, I'm getting paid more because I'm a principal now. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to somehow make this better. And it didn't. It was still, I was like, oh my God, I'm more stressed and overwhelmed now than I ever was. I have a lot of money, yeah. but I don't even have a desire to spend it because right. I'm stressed and burnt out. So, um, so it really was, you know, me um, looking at that and saying, you know, I enjoy teaching other people things, mm -hmm. but I really want to take this and help us to figure out how we can have healthier lives, especially with all the sort of, um, new knowledge about mental health that's out there and a lot of the mental health disorders. And I was like, okay, well, we don't want to go just the disorder route because yeah. this is a preventative thing. This is something that you can, there's a lot of things that you can do that people don't know. And so I started to know a lot of people that were on medication for so many things. Um, mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, you know, I, I want to be the positive side of this. Right. And so it started out with just doing workshops um, and offering stress management workshops, those kinds of things. And then it moved into, you know, more and more things um, mm -hmm. as it went from there. Okay. Okay, that's amazing. Wow, you gave me so much good stuff. I don't even know how to dissect that. My oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. But let's let's focus in two things I want to focus in on, and that was the positive psychology part. Um, but also I love how you spoke about the fact that you recognize that you were going from job to job and you were still feeling that stress. And then you even mm -hmm. went to a higher paying job because mm -hmm. surely it's the fact that we're not getting enough money that, that we're stressed out. Right. 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 That's what we right. think. <laughs> surely it must be that I don't have enough cash. And so we go and then we get another job thinking that the money is going to be the thing that solves it for us. And then we recognize that, Oh my gosh, I just added mm -hmm. more stress to my plate. And so I love the fact that you identify that and you're helping us identify that, you know, the stress is, it's going to follow you from place to place, right, right. no matter what, if you don't deal with it. And so I, I love that part of it. And I, 
I don't people are listening to the podcast, but I also uploaded to YouTube. But as you were talking, I was like pointing at me like, yep, right. that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. That's me. I did that. I did that same thing. And so the crazy thing about it, where it's not necessarily crazy, but I know so many people who have that same story. Yes. You know, and it's like, okay, how do I deal with this? and still be able to live a fulfilling life and then walk in my purpose. Cause it sounds like what you said is you started to walk in your purpose. Right. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, and was doing that all along, really. It's funny. Yeah. I, when you talk about purpose, I've known since I was probably about 16, um, what it was that I was destined to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, and just in walking in that, and sometimes I think we think too, when you're walking in your purpose, mm -hmm. that it's going to be easier. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, this is going to be stress-free because this is what I was meant to do and I was put here for this and all, you know, all of that. And so you think, oh, that should be easier than me doing something that's not aligned, you know, with my purpose. Right. Um, and so when we encounter that, when we encounter the fact that, okay, I have more money it, and it's not less stressful. I mean, I'm walking in my purpose and it's not less stressful. Right. Then that's the time I think sometimes when we do get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and we do tend to fall apart because again, we have those ideas in our mind about how things are supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so it really does. It goes to the fact that just like you said, and I love the way you put it, that, you know, the stress will follow you. Yes. So in situation, there are always going to be situations in life. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite quotes um, comes from Will Smith, where he said, you know, it's not about managing the situation. It's about managing your mind because you're always going to have situations, mm -hmm. no matter what, whether it's relationships, family, work, whatever, you know, in life, you're always, there's always going to be challenges and things that'll come up. But, and so it's not about trying to figure out how to manage each one of those situations, which is what we do. Mm -hmm. We just move from school to school, from job to job, from situation right. to situation, yeah. always yeah. trying to manage that. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to realize is it's not so much about managing those situations as it is managing your mind. If you learn to manage your mind, then you can get through any of those situations, no matter what it is. Absolutely. And I love this. I'm so excited to just be talking to you about this because <laughs> this is something that I have been studying personally for like many years because a lot of people know the reason why I started this podcast is that, you know, I'm going through a transformation in my life. And there's so many things that I've learned, you know, as an individual and as a woman, and as I grow and change and learn more about myself, and I have stress and anxiety and dealing with all of these things, I kind of learned it, you know, on my own as right. I'm reading and I'm reading like tons of books and I'm reading all this stuff and I'm recognizing that it starts with me. I have to figure right. out how to change the way that I think about situations and even right. when you start to, you know, go to a mental health professional or if you do cognitive behavioral therapy, that's mm -hmm. the whole purpose is, okay, let's help them start to change the way they think about things so that when this stuff does come up, we'll know how to deal with it. Exactly. Because that's the first thing you do in therapy is sort of examine what yeah. your thoughts are behind whatever this challenge is. And once you get, you know, a clear um, view of sort of how is it that I'm thinking about this thing? Yeah. Um, so whether it is, you know, sadness that comes from um, grief sometimes that we have, 
right. or sadness that comes from a relationship breaking up or a relationship not quite working out the way we wanted it to, mm-hmm. or, you know, sadness from uh, work situations, from not having enough, you know, the type of finances that we want. All of those things can bring about, <clears throat> you know, different levels of sadness for us, right. but it's all about, so how, you know, how are you, how is your mind processing that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what are your thoughts around that? What are your beliefs around that? Because that tends to be the thing that holds us up mm-hmm. and that keeps us from being able to work through that and then come on the other side. And so that's what happens, you know, when you start to really deal with depression is that you get stuck in that. It, it's, um, you know, friends of mine and my little sister and I, we call it, um, we used to call it the black hole. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, you know, you can go like, we would do checks with each other. Yeah. Where, you know, if I hadn't heard from them, from my best friend in a while, or if I hadn't heard from my little sister, or if we weren't really communicating um, a lot, then there would be times when, you know, we would check and I would say, okay, you know, where are you? As in, you know, have you gone in the hole? And so the whole analogy for us was you can go in the black hole, but you can't stay in it. Yes. So there are going to be things, right, that are going to put us in the hole and we're going to yeah. feel like, oh my God, this thing is so huge. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it feels like it's a lot for us. Mm-hmm. But the, the point is not to stay in the black hole. It's like you don't go there and you don't tarry, which is what right. we say. Right. What you need to do to deal with whatever it is. And mm-hmm. then you, you come on the other side. Mm-hmm. But what happens, you know, so often with depression and things like that is you, you see yourself going to that place, to yeah. that black hole. Yeah. And you end up, if you don't have the right tools. Yes. Right strategies you get stuck in there and yeah. then you end up staying and then that's when you end up with the mental illness side of things mm-hmm. um you know that comes upon you because you don't know you don't have the tools and the strategies that you need to be able to deal with it right i i love that and i i know we talked about this the other day and i'm transparent on my podcast and in my life and so we talked about how i could definitely understand you know, how it feels to be in that black hole. But now I have the tools and the resources. So now if I feel myself sliding, right, exactly. <laughs> like, uh-oh, let me get up. Let me turn on my happy light or let me get some exercise or let me turn on some music or let me do something to catch myself from going there. So I love that you came up with that uh, way to help your family members with that. I love that. Yep, absolutely. And so anytime, you know, we have those challenges, you know, that's what, or we feel like, okay, I haven't heard from this person in a while. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like we're checking and, we, you know, we will say, okay, what's happening? What's going on with you? And sometimes it's just, oh, I've been busy. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. But, you know, I can even tell with my younger sister just like how she responds. Yeah. And what she said, sometimes I'll see her post something on Facebook and I'm like, hmm, that makes me kind of wonder. And so I'll check in with her and say, okay, you know, what's going on? Yeah. And she'll even say, I mean, because that is like a code word that we have. Mm-hmm. And so she was like, you know, I'm kind of feeling like I'm in the hole. And I was like, okay, well, you know, you know, let's talk about what it is. Let's talk about what's going on, what the mm-hmm. challenge is. And you know, you can't stay there. You know, that's not, you know, a place for you to right. just, to just be. Yeah. Um, and so it is, it's like, you know, some people may look at it and say, oh, well, you know, should you really call it the black hole? Should you really, but I think 
what we have to do is sort of normalize yeah. um, the positive side of mental health and just the day-to-day challenges that we have. Yeah. And don't use, you know, don't attach such um, large convoluted words to it, but just use simple things. And so again, like that was simple for us. Yeah. We could all get it. We can comprehend it. We knew that that was, you know, the code word so that somebody needed to go and help that person out and kind of see, you know, where they were. Um, and if they just needed help from us or if they needed more professional help, depending on where they were. Right. I love that. I love that. And so uh, I'm glad that we got to this point. We talked about it because I, I do a research. I'm the research queen. Okay. okay. So <laughs> <laughs> this is a good point for me to insert my research. And so I, I always use the research because I think it's really important to talk to people about what these issues are, but also why it's super important to talk about it, right? Because there's right. numbers behind this stuff. There's, this is not something that we're just talking about because we just have nothing better to do, but there's right. a lot of people out there who are suffering. So I went back and I, I pulled this survey, and a lot of times when we do this research, it it's probably like two to three years out. So, so for this particular survey, um, this was uh, from 2015. It was called the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. Um, and at that time when they did this survey, they found that over 43.4 million adults had some sort of mental illness. So that would be the whole gamut. It, it mm-hmm. could be depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar. It, it could be the whole gamut, okay? Right. So 43.4 million, that's 18%, okay? That's a pretty big number. Uh, The second thing is mental illness was more prevalent amongst women. So in this particular study, of those 43 million adults, 21% were women and 14% were men. Okay. So that doesn't surprise me that women are suffering at a higher rate. Then more than one-fifth of the women were ages 26 to 49. So that's in our age group a bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, major depressive disorder was the most common mental illness. Mm-hmm. So we just talked about that, right? Yep, absolutely. Now, this is the thing, and I know we know this because we've been seeing all of um, the people in the news or famous people you know, who have had struggles and who have recently committed suicide. So we recognize there's a, a huge issue with this. However, these are the numbers with, with suicide, and this just blows my mind. So between uh, 1999 and 2014, the suicide rate in America jumped 25%, which wow. is a huge number. Yeah, that's a huge jump. Huge number. And then the suicides of young women ages 10 to 14 jumped 200%. Mm-hmm. Yes. So our babies are struggling. Adolescent, yes. Adolescent suicide is, is through the roof. It yeah, is, our, it our babies is. are struggling. And, I, and I, I venture to say it has something to do with social media, but we're that's a whole nother podcast, right? Uh, yes, you can you can spend a whole nother podcast on that. Uh, bullying and social media issue that we have that we really got to figure out um, a way to really wrap our minds around that as adults in their lives, as parents, as grandparents, aunts and uncles. Yeah. And really be able to support our young people, in particular, um, young black people yeah. um, around this issue um, and to take the stigma away from, you know, reaching out for help. Yes. That, that, and that is, that is why we're here, Dr. Tanya. All right, Dr. Tanya, don't make me cry, okay? Because that's, that's why we're here. We want to we make it okay to talk about this stuff so that absolutely, if, the, if there's people out there who are listening and they have some struggles, they can understand that we all go through this at some point. And the reason why I give these numbers is also so people can recognize that there's 
43 million people out there who yes. are going through the same thing as you. But when you're in the dark, the dark mm -hmm. place, I call it the dark place. You call mm -hmm. it the black hole. So it's funny that we have a similar word for it. Right. But when you're in your dark place and you're having some issues, you think that you're alone. Absolutely. Nobody understands. This mm -hmm. is my little dark box and nobody understands and nobody's here for me. And, and that's what makes it even worse. So now the last, the last um, statistic that I wanted to give is suicides of women age 45 to 64. So that's my age group. I'm 45. Mm -hmm. Increased 63%. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so yeah, as women... surprising for me, that age group, because I really didn't think... I don't think I have really paid attention as much because I do a lot of work with young people yeah. as well. But for suicide, for that age group, that is surprising to me. Right. And, and then we know with these, these surveys and stuff, well, it depends on the random selection of who they... Right. Yes, it depends on who was polled, who was, you know, where right. they pulled the research from, that type of thing, yeah. Right. But in seeing all the things that's going on around us, right. it's, it's easy to imagine that that could be correct. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now... Talk to us about preventive mental health care. We, we're calling this the strategies for living with a positive mindset. So talk to us about preventative mental health care. What exactly does that mean? Okay. So the preventative side is, is really just the everyday things that you do to make sure that you, that you keep your mind right basically okay. um it's that you know you see all these other little cute phrases about you know girl get your money right girl you know get your relationship right get your well you need to get your mind right too because if yeah. you get your mind right yeah. then again some of that other stuff will fall into place um, you know, as you want it to, because sometimes the, our thoughts and the way, you know, beliefs that we have and all those things, they interfere with your money. They interfere yeah. with your relationships. It interferes, you know, with all those other things. Yeah. So on the preventative side, it really is just, it's your everyday practices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have spent a lot of years, the last probably two, three decades, mm -hmm. doing a lot of money spent around us. Um, and our physical health. So yeah. you every, you know, there are gyms everywhere now. You can get all kinds of memberships. They, they're making it really easy for us to be able. There's a walkathon, you know, for everything. There's a walk yeah. for this, a walk for that. There's all kinds of groups. If you go meet up, you know, there's tons of different groups that you can get involved in. Everything from you know walking to, and then just the level of exercise, the types of things that you can do. You know, there's there's Zumba, there's water aerobics, there's like riding your bike in the water you know they have like all kinds there's the thing something i saw the other day where um i don't know it's almost like cirque du soleil type stuff really where you're um you're like swinging from some i don't know some kind of acrobatic <laughs> something but you're like you're like on a, a a piece of rope of some sort and you're like just, you're swinging back and forth, but it, you know, okay. it's, it's an exercise class. Okay. So again, like exercise has taken off and then, you know, you, we're in the age of the healthy eating piece. Yeah. And so there's so much conversation around, you know, what we eat. You can be vegan, you can be vegetarian, you can do keto, you can do like, it's like a thousand and one right. different ways to eat now. Mm -hmm. And so what I see is the same thing is starting to take place and we need it to be desperately needed to take place when it comes to your mental health, yeah. the same way that you see things that promote breast self, you know, exams, mm -hmm. 
And then that's something that you need to do, you know, on a frequent basis for yourself, that you go and have your mammogram every year. You know, all those things are in in place, prostate exams for men. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing needs to happen for our mental health Mm -hmm. because it's just as important for us to have regular routines that support our mental health the same way that we support the physical aspect of our bodies. So that's to me what the preventative side is all about is that we know, you know, if you equate it to physical health, you know that if you eat well, you know, reduce the number, the amount of sugar that you take in, reduce the starches and the carbs, then you're steering yourself away from diabetes, right? Right. Mm -hmm. If you reduce the fats, you know, cholesterol and that kind of thing, you're steering yourself away from high blood pressure. Right. Exact same thing for mental health. If you think about, um, let's say depression, because that's what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. If you think about things like that, If you have day-to-day routines and strategies that are in place, Mm -hmm. you can steer yourself away from having depressive episodes. You can steer yourself away from being caught in a spiral of negative thoughts because that's kind of what, you know, depression is. It's being caught in a spiral Mm -hmm. of really thinking um, (laughs) negative things, thinking sad thoughts, those kinds of things. So the same way that you give yourself, you know, that um, self-breast exam, Mm-hmm. You can give yourself a mental health checkup just as well. You can do those same kinds of things to steer yourself and to check in with yourself to see what am I thinking. So yeah. it's also a part of that being mindful with an awareness and being mindful of what's going on in my mind. What kind of thoughts am I thinking? How often am I thinking these thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, what's the ratio of positive to negative thinking that I have? Yeah. So it really does, like when you said earlier, it begins with you, that preventative side really starts with being self-aware. Yeah. So knowing, you know, who you are, what type of person you are. Some of us are very, you know, analytical and we, you know, want everything to be just right. That kind of perfectionist um, type of a personality. But if you know that that's the type of personality that you have, then that's something that you can kind of keep in check. Mm-hmm. because then you can know, okay, I tend to overdo it with this. Yeah. And I tend to really, you know, spiral off if I can't get things for me to be what I consider perfect. Nothing is ever perfect. Of course. But, you know, it's like, you know, when you go down that hole and you're like, you know, you're going too far with trying to make something be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, then that's, again, it's a red flag for you to say, okay, I'm doing too much with this. Mm-hmm. Um, as my wife and I would say, you know, you're being extra. And so, <laughs> you know, it's like, sometimes being extra is good. And other times being extra is like, okay, now you know you are really doing too much for this. And so you need to kind of bring it back, dial mm-hmm. it in, self-correct, um, and then take another approach at it. Um, so that preventative side, it starts with just our everyday routines that we have. And sort of looking at your life and seeing how many positive, um, you know, routines and things do I have set up in my, in my everyday life. So that's where it begins. Mm -hmm. That's really important because I know, you know, a lot of people, and especially me, when I was, you know, working in the corporate environment, it's like, you get so wrapped up and working these 40 to 60 Mm -hmm. plus, you know, our work weeks, you, by the time you get home and get the kids together, if you have children and do whatever you need to do and you in the bed and next thing you know, you're back at work again. And so it's like, there's no real break in between. There's no time to play. There's no time to de-stress. There's no time to relax. Mm -hmm. It's just this, this treadmill or this like ham, I call it being on a hamster wheel. It's like this hamster wheel of just continuing to just do this stuff and not paying attention to 
our personal needs and things that we need to de-stress. So, right, and that's so true. You call it the hamster wheel. I call it being on autopilot. Yeah, Where, you know, you get you get up every morning. You yeah. go through that same routine. You hit the door. You're in the car. You get to work. You're running all day long. Yeah. You come back. You maybe eat something. Maybe you don't eat something. Like you said, your day is done. You're jumping in the bed, and you're getting. And when you get to a point, and this is another one of those self checks where you go through an entire day and at the end you're really like so what did i do today yeah, right i do you know or at the end of the week when somebody asks you about your week and you're like i don't really know i don't really know what i did this you know and it's like when you start to make statements like that yeah. then you know you're on autopilot when you get in the car in the morning going from you know your home to work and you get to work and you it's a blur you really don't know what's happened around you that whole trip. Yeah. I was commuting to DC and you know, it would take an hour, sometimes hour and a half, depending on if it rained or any of that. And there would be days when I would get there and I couldn't tell you what happened in the last hour. And I was like, that's crazy. I've been driving in the car, probably a whole lot of things had happened around me. That's right. But I was just focused on getting where I was going. I wasn't really paying attention. Mm -hmm. And so it, when your entire life gets like that, yeah. And that is when things tend to spiral out of control and you'll look up and you'll have health issues. Yep. Like, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. You'll look up and you'll have mental health issues and yep. wonder where did this come from? And it's because we're on that autopilot. Yeah. And so, yes, we have to stop, you know, um, stop just going through the motions mm -hmm. all day, every day and yeah. really insert opportunities for us to, like you said, to take breaks opportunities for us to do something different to to practice self-care to even figure out what that is because most of us we don't even know what that is you know what that looks like um and so you know it's it is it you have to be intentional mm -hmm. about the preventative side of of mental health you have to be in, just like you have to be intentional if you want a healthy body you have to be intentional about doing, getting some kind of exercise, about choosing better foods. So with this, you have to be intentional about um, choosing self-care activities that really do help to rejuvenate you okay. um, and to de-stress you. You have to be intentional. Food is also one of those things where there's, you know, a great connection between what we eat, what we yes. put in our bodies that way, mm -hmm. and how our minds function. That's right. If yeah. you eat horribly, which was one of my issues because I was always working, I considered myself at that time a workaholic. And most of the people around me would say that. Um, they would say, you know, Tanya's a workaholic. She's always working. She's always working. Right. And I did. I felt like I never had time to cook for myself. I never had time to even get a, quote, healthy meal. So I was eating from carryouts across the street from the school. Yeah. I was grabbing McDonald's, Burger King, whoever, you know, could give it to me quick and fast. Mm -hmm. and I was on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And so years of doing that, it caught up to me both physically and mentally. Yeah. Um, because I started having migraines and, um, and just couldn't, I couldn't, I wasn't thinking as sharply as I was before. And again, it was that it was the horrible food that I was eating. So yeah. that plays a role too in depression and things like that. It's like when you're, you know, eating a high fat, high sugar, you know, those kinds of, of, mm -hmm. of diets, all that fast food stuff, then yeah. Um, yeah, it really does affect you negatively. Yeah. It, it's funny that you say that because um, my girlfriend, she calls me the drill sergeant. So mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that comes through that front door, I'm like, oh, you're that? checking it out, huh? <laughs> what, 
Don't bring that Popeyes in here, girl. What is that? We we not eating that. We eating some spinach and some and some turkey burgers. And they be looking at me like, girl, can we get a break? But no. And it's funny because we um we also did um the podcast with Walter in the beginning. We did Walter Lewis Fitness Solutions, and mm-hmm. we talked to him about the nutrition thing and. And and what we learned from him was exactly what you said. Like we not only do we have to take care of our mental health, but we gotta watch what we we putting in. And absolutely, um, that that was a good conversation that we had with Walter. So that's that's really good information. So now we talked about mental health and being mentally healthy. So what what would be the difference between preventive uh, mental health care and being proactive and being reactive? Okay, so. <clears throat> On the the reactive side, uh, unfortunately, that's where a lot of us fall. Yeah. <laughs> Again, because we're on autopilot, we're going about our lives, we're doing our thing. Yes. And then, you know, things fall apart. Mm-hmm. And they are, you know, something overwhelms us mm-hmm. and it starts to consume us. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to the point where you're consumed with it, um, then that's when we react. So we figure, oh, well, you know, it's like, um, I realized that I have been, you know, that I'm overly angry or that, you know, I'm feeling just really frustrated and angry all the time. Mm-hmm. Or I realized that, you know, I've taken off work, you know, five, six, seven days because I just couldn't get up out of the bed. Yeah. Because I couldn't make myself, I couldn't will myself to get up, mm-hmm. um, to go to work, to do anything, to hang out with friends, to, you know, do any of those things. And so, you know, it's, it's that point I go it goes back to that sort of black hole piece. Yeah. When you spent all that time in that space and then you react, then you say, Oh, I need to get some help. You know, that's the reactive side of it, but you've let it get like far out of control. Yeah. And so that proactive side, which is what I'm seeking to ask all of us to do Mm -hmm. is that you think about it before it's an issue because it's really hard. It's just like anything else, you know, that we deal with in life. If the challenge is right there in your face, it's consuming you, it's so hard to deal with that challenge once you let it grow into a larger thing. Right. But it's easier if you sit back and think about it and you say, you know, okay, I'm starting this new job. It's going to require a lot more time, effort, and energy on my part. It's going to, you know, they're asking for me to work at least a 40-hour week, sometimes 60, 80 hours a week. Okay, if you know you're going into that situation, then when you think about, you know, your mental health, you say, okay, I need to be a little bit more proactive with this. I know that if this job is going to take this much time for me, then I have to be intentional about scheduling in my self-care time. I can't leave it to chance. I can't say, oh, I'm going to do it whenever, because it's not going to happen. And so the proactive side, like for me, the proactive side is it's it's putting it on my calendar just like I put everything else on my calendar. Yeah. So if it's a time for me to take a break uh, for self-care or for whatever it is that I'm going to do, I have to schedule it in because I don't, because I work so much. If I don't schedule it in, it won't happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's those things in our lives that, you know, it's like the thing that screams at you the, the loudest and the most gets the, you know, it gets the attention. Right. So don't wait till it's screaming <laughs> to give it some attention, mm-hmm. Do it, you know, before there's a problem because you want to prevent all of that. So that's the proactive side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you know that you tend to be, let's say relationships, 
If you know that your personality is that you tend to be the type of person when you get in a relationship, you get consumed with that relationship and it's all about that person and you're just, you cut your friends off, you know, you do all these things because you're so consumed in that relationship, Mm -hmm. then you have to be proactive with that. Mm -hmm. So you have to say, okay, if you get into a new relationship, the same thing with the job, I have to be intentional about keeping my me time. All of my time shouldn't be relationship time because you have to have balance. Right. And so that's just, that's the, the key piece to the, the proactive side is that it's about balance. It's about looking at sort of all those areas of your life and making sure that there's no area. Um, there's an exercise that I do with clients called, um, it's the wheel of life. Mm-hmm. And it just has like different areas on it where it talks about your family. Um, it asks you about um, your career and professional life, your finances, your home life, um, your leisure time, and you know self-care activities that you have. But it divides all those things up and it asks you how satisfied are you with all of those different areas. Mm-hmm. The key is not to have everything be equal because everything won't be equal. Right. But you want to have an area where if you rating it, a, you know, one to 10, mm-hmm. if it's an area that's a two, if you say, okay, my, you know, my vacation leisure time is a two because I haven't had a vacation in two years, then that's a problem. <laughs> that's right. an issue. And right. that's one that you need to address, but you can be proactive with that mm-hmm. by saying, okay, everybody needs breaks. I don't care what job you have. I don't care what it is that you're doing. Everybody needs to have some kind of break, some kind of vacation at some point throughout the year. And I suggest actually every quarter mm-hmm. and every three months you do something to give yourself a break. Uh, because one of the things that we do is we want to save like all of the break for one time. So it's like once a year you take a vacation, you take a break. Usually for most of us it's during the summertime and then that's it. But if you think about it, you know, there's 12 months in a year. Mm-hmm. And so you're only going to take that one week out of 52 weeks in a year. Right. That's, that's a very, you know, unbalanced kind of situation. So mm-hmm. the idea is to try to, you know, again, to juggle it and to keep that balance in place. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because I was like the vacation police at my job. Because <laughs> 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 I was like a little, you know, a little bit older than most of my, mm-hmm. uh, my co-workers. And, right. and uh, when I first met them and they would have a hundred hours and, and yes. rolling it over and they mm-hmm. lose the vacation time because yeah, they're not taking it. It. I'm like, girl, you better, honey, you better take that vacation time. First of all, you're giving money back to the company. First of right. all, you are. But second of all, you need that time. Like you have to, I learned, oh, listen, Dr. Tanya, I like to tell people I have a PhD in life. And that's okay. because I have learned all these things the hard way, okay? And so I have learned the hard way that you have to, you cannot be married to that job 24 mm-hmm. hours a day, seven days a week. You can't be married to that person relationship. Yep. You have to have some time for yourself. You have to get away. You have to get a vacation. You have to take a walk. You have to, and and, and I'm sitting here the whole time, that you're talking for those of us who's going to look at us on YouTube. Y'all be wondering why I'm shaking my head the whole time. I'm shaking my head because nobody ever told me this stuff. No, they don't. You don't get it from your parents. You don't get it from school. I'm that's one of the things I advocate now for, um, in schools and public schools to teach children stress management skills. 
to teach them those, but you don't get it anywhere. And you're right. We all kind of get that PhD in life because you learn it the hard way Yeah. because nobody ever sits down with you and says, you know, that there are specific strategies that you can use to relieve your stress. So when you feel overwhelmed, your breath is a very powerful tool that you have yeah. to be able to bring yourself back to center where you're not so overwhelmed by that. Right. And nobody ever teaches you, you know, that that's something that you can do. Right. Um, you know, the other practices that are out there now, meditation, um, again, just being out in nature does mm -hmm. a tremendous amount for us. And as kids, we grew up running around playing, but we didn't really make the connection. Right. The fact that it was helping to clear our minds and helping with mental health. Mm -hmm. And so you don't, nobody tells you any of this stuff. You just kind of figure it out. Some of us figure it out like you and I, right. you know, as we went through, we researched, we, I was like, there's gotta be a better way. Cause I was <laughs> living like, you know, I was in yeah. my thirties. I was like, I can't keep living like this. Well, right. and then when the doctor tells you, you know, if you don't change your lifestyle, you won't live to see 40. And I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. Well, that was never part of my plan. Right. So you start looking for, you know, other ways, but it's like, it shouldn't be that hard mm -hmm. um, because we should all be taught these strategies so that you don't, you don't have to struggle because it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a struggle mm -hmm. it comes to, you know, your mental health and your, you know, social and emotional wellness. It doesn't have to be a struggle, but you know, if, if we don't know these strategies, then that's when the struggle comes. Mm -hmm. But and, and not everything is for everybody either. And right. that's the thing, you know, sometimes think we hear somebody talk about meditation and we're like, oh no, I can't do that. For years I said I couldn't. Mm -hmm. um, and now I teach other people to do it. So <laughs> but for years I was like, oh no, I can't I can't just sit still and do nothing. Cause I thought of it as doing nothing. Yeah. Like, oh, I gotta be busy doing something. I can't just sit still and do nothing for how long you want me to do this? <laughs> and and you know, and then I was like, oh, but now to have the moment to quiet my mind, it's the best thing ever. And my day is so off when I don't get a chance to do it. Mm -hmm. I can tell the difference in how I feel at the end of the day mm -hmm. when I don't start my day by being intentional and quieting my mind and giving myself an opportunity to just, you know, to just welcome myself to the day mm -hmm. and to figure out how do I want this day to be for me? Right. I know I got all these to-do things, that, you know, because I live by to-do lists. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things where it's like, and so many of us do, where it's like, oh, I have to do this. And you wake up in the morning thinking about all those things that you think you have to do. And so it's yeah. like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And that starts creating that overwhelm the minute you open your eyes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's one of those things um, that I always say is that, you know, the, the morning routine that we have is tremendously powerful for ha having us to have that happy life, that positive mental health. It all starts the minute you wake up in the morning and what you choose to do as soon as you open your eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that is so important. And, you know, I, the, while you were talking, I was thinking about my mom. She used to say to me, oh, you better stop worrying because you're going to make yourself sick or Mm -hmm. you, you better stop stressing because you're going to make yourself sick. And all those years as I was young and growing up, I was like, how could I make myself sick? I mean, you know, we, you know, in my young mind, it was like viruses and colds. Mm -hmm. and right. That's what you think about. Right. I'm like, how can I make myself sick? Mom, you know, what are you talking about? But after I made myself sick yep. <laughs> <laughs> from, from stress and worrying, and now mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's what she was talking about. So, 
I'm just so glad that you and I have have been able to to use this platform and use our voices to be able to just bring this word to people because um like you said the first thing in the morning changing your morning routine you know one of the things I blog about or I might put on my um my Facebook page I do this growing a sexy inspiration thing every day which I try to I'm a little off now um, because of the surgery but I try to put this thing on there every morning because I recognize through doing all the research and going through my therapy right um, that the first thing in the morning you 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 got to get your mind right right you have mm -hmm. to intentionally say this is how the day is going to be you have to, okay, you can't get up in the morning, hit the snooze button five times, right? <laughs> jump out of bed with 20 minutes to get ready, swipe the kids up, swipe the dog out, and, and run out the door with coffee in one hand, no breakfast, you're rushing to work in traffic, and then when you get there, you're wondering why you're stressed out for the rest of the day. Right, because you set yourself up that way. You set yourself up for that. You started that. You started that frenzy yep. the minute you hit the snooze button five times. Right. <laughs> and then, because you still are going to try to make it to wherever you're supposed to be in right. the 20 minutes time instead <laughs> of the 50 minutes or however much time, you know, you were originally supposed to have. Right. And so you do. you, And that's that reactive side. Yeah. Because yeah. then you're running, so you're reacting. So now, in traffic, you're going to react negatively to mm -hmm. everything that happens. Mm -hmm. cut you off you're, oh my gosh you get it you you're laying on the horn you're you know you're, all of that because in your whole day yep. the series of reactions this Whereas is when you do the opposite of that and that's that again um it's having that you know a powerful morning routine and that's whatever that looks like for you mm -hmm. and so that's what's where some people you know, um sort of fall off is that they feel like oh I've got to do this the way somebody else does it like you know, there are uh, personal development people like Tony Robbins and people like that who get up at like 4 a.m. I'm not getting up at 4 a.m. I'm not <laughs> me neither. What's going on? I, but I'm not, I'm not a morning person like that. So I'm not getting up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Right, right. But, and so that was me. I was like, you know, I'll get up early enough to be able to get to work with the meditation piece. That was my holdup in the beginning because I was like, okay, they say that the morning time is the best time to do it. It's not the only time you can do it, mm -hmm. but it's the best time just for the reason that you just said, because in the morning, it gives you an opportunity to set your intention for your day. Yeah. It gives you an opportunity to start your day off in a very powerful way. And it's actually in the morning because when you're just waking up, you're most open. It's your, it's the moment in the day when you are the most open to receiving any kind of information, believe it or not. I used to think that was the opposite because I'm like, I'm still half asleep. <laughs> but when it comes to meditation, yeah. it's, it, you're, you're sort of much more of an open vessel during that, that time. Okay. So it is, so it's easier to calm your mind because your mind's not racing. Right. You just got up. Mm -hmm. So meditation works beautifully in the morning. But my thing was, well, okay, when am I supposed to have time to do this? Because I don't have 30 minutes. I'm not, you know, I don't want to get up at five. <laughs> and so for me, it started out with just like, okay, five minutes. Mm -hmm. so I can find five. And I was like, okay, I sit on the side of the bed like this for five minutes. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, if you're doing that for five minutes, okay, you can find five minutes. Instead of sitting on the side of the bed like this, go, you know, sit in a chair and meditate for five minutes. Yeah. And so that was how it started was just something as simple that I'm saying, okay, I'm going to be intentional about when I get up, I'm not going to do, because one of the things that we often do is, and I'm going to have mine. 
I'm holding up the phone. We pick up this phone as soon as we get up out of bed, right? I was just about to say that. And if you pick up the phone and look, then what you're doing is you're giving the power of your day to your phone. That's right. And you're saying all the emails, the text messages, Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, all of these things are going to determine my day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go off reacting to all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas right. in the morning, I'm like, nope, nobody's going to determine my day except for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get out of bed. The only thing I do before I come um, into my room to meditate is I use the bathroom. Okay. And so it's like, okay, got to do that first. I'll do that. I go, I spend however much time. It started out for me, like I said, anywhere up to five minutes. There were times when it was only two or three minutes. Right. But my thing was, I got to start somewhere. Yeah. And so it's like, start now, improve later. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be perfect. Just mm-hmm. do something. And start so I now. Would do I would sit, I would meditate for a couple of two or three minutes. And then I would just say, I was very intentional about today I want and whatever it was. Yeah. I want the day to be. And my thing was, um, I just used two words. It was grace and ease. I would like to go through my day today with grace and ease. Grace and ease. Because I always felt like there were lots of things that would come into play right. that would stress me out. And like, okay, if I don't want to be stressed out by these things, I want to be able to handle anything that comes at me yeah. with grace and ease. I like I it. there. I say that, I say what I'm grateful for, and I'm done. Total of five minutes, and I'm like, okay, now I'm off to the shower, to wherever, you know, whatever else it is I'm going to do. Right. But throughout the day, one of the things I would remember when something would come at me, mm-hmm. um, if somebody that was working for me wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing, or, you know, all these other things would happen, mm-hmm. in my mind, I would hear grace and ease. Like, when you approach whatever this problem is, okay. Yeah grace and ease. I've got to approach this thing with grace and ease. Mm-hmm. And so it really helped to reverse things from overwhelming me to right. where, you know, I would get home when I wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. I would go through, you know, dealing with problems all day long, right. tired and wiped out. By the time I got home after the commute, I was not a nice person to talk to really. And I didn't even realize <laughs> it because I have such a laid back personality. Right. And my grandson and my wife, they would be like, okay. And, and, and they would just say, um, he called me Bubby. Um, and he would just say, he'd be right at the door. You know, he was like seven, eight years old then. Uh-huh. He would just say, Bubby, how was your day? And I'd be like, uh, you know, and, go, and he, would just, he would look like, well, I'll just ask her how her day was. <laughs> okay. And then, you know, sitting down at the table when we would eat dinner because we had a family rule mm-hmm. and the three of us would sit and eat dinner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that would be the most painful time for me because I didn't want to talk. Yeah. So I would be like, okay, I just want to eat my food. And then I even went back to, and I used to hate this as a kid, my grandfather used to say, let the food fill your mouth. And he would never let us talk oh. during dinner. It was no talking, you eat, and that's it. Right. I remember one day Terrell loved to talk. And so he was like, just talk. And I was like, Terrell, let the food fill your mouth. All this talking isn't necessary. And so he was like, oh, we can't talk. And you know, but it was like, it was me. It wasn't them. That's right. It was me. It was because I wasn't managing my day. I wasn't managing my mind very well. Um, And I didn't have any of those routines in place. Mm -hmm. So by the time we got to, you know, six, seven o'clock at night, I was done. Mm-hmm. I had nothing else left to give anybody. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens is we then try to operate from an empty vessel. Yeah. 
And so all of this, you know, that we've talked about tonight is all about filling your own vessel. Yeah. That, that positive um, mental health side, the proactive side is about putting all these things in place that fill your own vessel. Because mm -hmm. once you fill yourself, it doesn't matter what comes at you. All these other things can come at you, but you are equipped to handle those things when they come at you. Absolutely. And I, I like that how you, you gave that story because um, I know we both had, I wrote a blog called It's Okay to Not Be Okay. And, mm -hmm. and you had done something called right. the same thing. We were on the same wavelength. But, you know, in it, I talked about, you know, how I had gotten to a point where I felt like I was spinning out of control and angry at everybody, angry mm -hmm. at the clerk in Burlington Co Factory and I'm angry at, you right. know, people at work and I'm angry at, you know, this person, that person. And it, it came to a point where I had to really accept that it couldn't be everybody else. Right. <laughs> probably was something going on with me, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I say all the time, self-reflection is a B. However, self-reflection is what we have to do. We owe it to ourselves. Not only do we owe it to ourselves, but we owe it to everybody that's around us to self-reflect on a daily basis to make sure that we are handling things in our emotional life the way that we should. Because like you said, it rubs off on everybody. Look, I'm mad at the dog. You know, right. and what did the dog do? Dogs gonna do anything but love us. So what could they have possibly have done? Yeah. The dog looking at me like, yo, what did I do? I'm like, yo, get out of my way. I don't like you today. And so finally I'm like, hold on a second. This is not good. Like I am, I call it the angry black woman syndrome, right? Because even mm -hmm. um Ian LaVon's aunt had done this whole series on um, the angry black woman and, and she talked to several, you know, black women and, and come to find out they were angry all the time. Cause obviously we have this stereotype of being angry all the time, but really it's about what's happening on the inside or what Absolutely. has happened in the past, which you and I are going to do another podcast about how trauma shows back up in our lives. But right. it's like all of these things that we didn't process and didn't deal with back then on top mm -hmm. of what's going on or now because we don't have a process in place to deal with this stuff it could just it could literally get to a place where you are about to explode or Absolutely. it could it could turn into you know health issues it could turn into heart disease it could turn into mental it could turn into all these things when there could be something that we could do to intervene and to put the strategies in place to make sure that we know how to deal with this stuff. So I love this conversation. I mean, me and you could talk about this all night. We could. I think we're both very <laughs> passionate about it. <laughs> and oh, because man. we are so passionate about it, time yeah. just flies by. I know, I know. But we, we I, you know, we've given some great information and some yeah. good nuggets for people uh -huh. to be able to some, I think some practical strategies, because that's the thing I think so much with the mental health uh, field mm -hmm. that a lot of times people walk away with lots of information. So, you know, they give you the statistics and they give you, um, you know, all of the, what I call the doom and gloom about it. Right. Um, but then it's like, okay, so what are people supposed to do? So mm -hmm. if we know that there are, you know, so many, what do you say, millions of people out there who are, you know, dealing with some type of mental health disorder. Right. Um, and then I think I read something the other day where they said like, uh, 
within your lifetime as an adult, one in every five of us um, will deal with some kind of mental health challenge. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you, if you think about that and it's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then what is it that we should be doing? That's right. What is it, you know, how do we handle this? Because I don't want you to just tell me, okay, at some point you're going to have a mental health disorder and then <laughs> say, oh, I'm supposed to say, okay. And just right. whatever. It's like, what am I supposed to do? How can I prevent that? Because right. I'm a firm believer that it's possible to prevent a lot of, of these things from happening mm-hmm. if we pay attention to our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, if we do that mental health self-check um, that I alluded to earlier, which is okay. just, it's simple. It's just simple things. It's one checking in with yourself often. Okay. Um, and just asking yourself, how, how am I doing? How do I feel today? Yeah. Um, you know, because that's a, that's a, is where it begins. Cause it goes back to what you said about that self-awareness, mm-hmm. checking in with yourself often about how you feel and why you feel the way you feel. Um, you know, am I holding on to something too long? Did I really re- react to this in, a, in kind of a crazy way? Because I, you know, just like you said, everybody's making me angry. That's <laughs> not checking in with yourself. If everybody's making you angry, just like you said, th- then it can't be everybody. <laughs> right. Um, it has to be this. So then you ask yourself, well, what's going on with me mm-hmm. to make me react this way to these things and mm-hmm. to the people, you know, in my life? Yeah. The second thing is to monitor how often you access your go-to coping mechanisms. So we all have those go-to coping mechanisms that we all, and some of them are not all the, that healthy. Right. But, you know, it's like if, if you go to work and your thing is I have a glass of wine after I'm done with work. Mm-hmm. If that glass starts to turn into you having the bottle, mm-hmm. that's one of those things where you say, okay, this might be my go-to de-stressor, but right. I'm using this too much because yeah. every other night I feel like I have to have a glass, a whole, you know, I got to have the whole bottle of wine or I end up drinking the whole bottle mm-hmm. or happy hour. Happy hour is your go-to. You find yourself at happy hour in two, three times a week. Okay. <laughs> That's, you know, that's, that's one of those signs where it's like, that's too much. Yeah. Same thing with food. Yeah. We all have those go-to foods. And the mm-hmm. thing is, it's just, it's recognizing it, writing it down. Mm-hmm. I realized my go-to food was um, Chinese food. Mm-hmm. Chinese food from the carryout. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, fried rice of some sort and typically egg rolls. Yeah. And, oh, shrimp fried rice and egg rolls. Uh-huh. Every Friday. For months, oh, for months, yeah. that would be the go-to food I had. Mm-hmm. I thought I just loved it. I was like, oh, I just love it. I just no, it, I it, I was coping with the week I had just had, and that was why I was eating that because it was very comforting to me. Oh, so we all have comfort foods, mm-hmm. and so check those comfort foods. If you love cake. And your slice of cake goes to eating a quarter of the cake or, you know, you have ice cream because that's your comfort food. And you say, oh, I'm only going to eat like, you know, two or three scoops out of here. And you end up eating a whole pint. Right. Then again, that's one of those things where you have to ask yourself, okay, how much am I accessing this? Yeah. And it's, it's, if it gets to the point where it's not healthy, mm-hmm. then you know that there's something going on. Yeah. And so I need to address this in a different way because this food, this alcohol, this whatever mm-hmm. is not the answer for me to this, the way I'm coping with it. And then the last thing is just to be mindful of, you know, your emotions. Okay. Be mindful of, I always say, you know, we kind of have a, an emotion meter. 
And so being mindful of how often you're feeling certain emotions. Yeah. If you're feeling sad, you know, on a daily basis, okay, mm -hmm. that's a red flag for you. Yeah. Just like you said, if you're angry, if you just get angry that one day because you were overwhelmed and yes, you were yelling at everybody, and it, but then you go back and you have, you know, several happier days. So there's a higher ratio of, you know, happy uh, thoughts and feelings as opposed to negative ones. Right. Then it balances itself out and you're okay. Mm -hmm. But if you find that, okay, I'm angry all the time. I'm so angry. I don't even like, you know, myself because I'm always being angry. And <laughs> again, it's like, check those emotions. Yeah. Because if you're having any one emotion for an extended period of time, mm -hmm. other than happiness, um, then it's a red flag that, you know, there's, there's something more that's going on and you need to kind of look at it. So that, and that's that mental health self-check. It's easy stuff mm -hmm. that we can do on an ongoing basis. The thing is not to do it just like once a year, but you know, you need to do it every couple of weeks. I check in with myself mm -hmm. to see, you know, where I am, how I feel about things, um, reflect back on the last couple of weeks. You know, were there any situations where I really just, uh, you know, responded to that in kind of an odd way or, or an irrational kind of a way? Mm -hmm. um, and then so once you sort of do that check, ask yourself those three questions, um, then you can know sort of where to go after you do that. But that's something that I recommend that we do, like I said, at least once a month, once every couple of months, you know, for ourselves so that you don't let things get out of control. Okay. I love that. And I'm going, I'm going to put mine on my calendar, my mental health. Um, subject. <laughs> yes, I recommend that people do the same with that way with your breast self exam. Yeah. You know, if we don't write it down, we tend to forget it. Mm -hmm. but, and that's that being intentional, put it on your calendar and then, you know, just take that time to check in with yourself. Mm -hmm. I love that. And thank you so much, Dr. Tom. You've given us so much good information. I feel like we could probably do a whole nother podcast just on this. You really could. <laughs> well, I enjoy doing this and hanging out. So we'll definitely have to, you know, talk about future ideas. Um, oh, yeah. Because it is something. The more people, the more you put something in front of people. That's right. Um, then the better chance you're going to have that people are going to find something, you know, that works for them and they're going to be able to connect with it. And I just think, you know, we need more of this. We're not having enough of a conversation about mm -hmm. it, for sure. Yep. Well, if it's up to me, we're going to talk about this a whole lot. All right. I'm <laughs> down for it. I'm down for it. All right. That's awesome. So, so tell us, where can we reach you if we want more information and resources about uh, preventive mental health care? Okay. You can reach me on my website at askdrtanya.com. Um, you can also, we have a great um, stress management Facebook um, that you can join so it okay. doesn't cost you anything it's an open group uh, and we have lots of good conversation mm -hmm. so if you go to Facebook on there is stress management for busy professionals it's the okay. name of the group so um, if you search that group you'll be able to find that join the group join the conversation we give out lots of strategies in there mm -hmm. um, and then you know my Facebook uh, business page is just Dr. Tanya okay okay and uh, do you have an email address in case someone has a question they want to shoot to you? Yep, absolutely. Um, you can email me at um, Dr. Tanya at, and then I'm going to spell out the worst of it. It's center, C-E-N-T-E-R, 4-F-O-R-S-E-W dot com. 
Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for taking your time out, Tanya, uh, Dr. Tanya, and um, blessing us with this great information. And you and I are going to talk again. Next time we talk to Dr. Tanya, we're going to be talking about how trauma um, shows up again in our lives and, and, and how we can kind of manage that as well. So this is part one of part two with the um, CEO and chief, chief happiness officer, <laughs> Dr. Tanya, the happy doctor. So thank you so much, Dr. Tanya. You are welcome, Gail. I, again, I've had a fabulous time um, doing this with you. I, I think that the work that you're doing is extremely important and you're providing you know, such great information to all of your listeners and viewers um, for the podcast. And so I just say, you know, keep doing what you're doing because you are definitely helping people. And there are lots of people out there who need this information. Thank you so much, Dr. Tanya. I really appreciate that. You are welcome. All right. And so we'll be setting up the next podcast and then I will let you guys know when we'll have Dr. Tanya back on the line again. So have a great weekend and be blessed, Dr. Tanya. Thank you so much. All right. You have a good weekend too. All right. Speak soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, ladies, you have just reached the end of another episode of Grown and Sexy Sisters Talk. This was real conversation for real women about real life. I really hope you enjoyed our talk, and I have a little homework for you. First, I want you to go to my website, www.grownandsexysister.com to sign up for my newsletter. On there, you can also read my blog, find valuable free resources, schedule a coaching session, or just check out some upcoming events. Second, I want you to subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on iTunes or Google Play. You don't want to miss out on one single episode, so that's going to be really important. And third, check me out on YouTube. You can type in Grown and Sexy Sister with an A-H in the search bar and make sure to subscribe there as well. I want you to be able to see the amazing video recordings of these podcasts there. So much love, be blessed, stay grown and sexy sisters, and we'll speak soon.